What's up, y'all? This is Chitty Bang, and I'm on the Renegade Millionaire Show, the podcast that profiles entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs. Join us as we go one-on-one inside the hearts and minds of some of our generation's best and brightest. And now, introducing your host, my friend, Sun Group Wealth Partners Managing Director, CNBC and Forbes.com contributor, Winnie Sun. Welcome to the Renegade Millionaire Show, everybody. Hey, it's me, Winnie Sun, your host. Hope that you're having a great day today, because I sure am. We just came back from a three-day weekend, so we've been busy, busy, busy. Um, those of you who haven't had a chance to, please check out Sun Group Wealth Partners, because that's where I'm a financial advisor and managing director, and I would love to talk to you if you have any questions pertaining to your own investments or portfolio. Um, with that, you know, I have also had a chance to contribute to Forbes. And so today's financial matters is from Forbes. Um, recently, there was a study conducted by Ben Jacobson and a Cherry Zhang in a university in New Zealand that showed over a 319-year period. Did you know that stocks usually perform four and a half times better during the months of November, November through April rather than the summer months? So what does that really tell you? Hmm. Well, it's, you don't want to pull out during the summer months, but just expect that there'll be some volatility and perhaps some pullback. Nothing to fret. Everything's for long term, but just thought I'd put that out there. And with that, let's start the show. So I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Um, it is Brian Dickinson, who may have, many of you may have already seen on TV several times. He is quite an impressive gentleman, actually. Brian served in, I should just read part of the bio because it's just so much going on. So Brian, I, so first off, Brian, welcome. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for being with us. Um, I see that, so you, Brian, I'm going to read the bio because there's so much going on. Served from 1993 to 1999 as U.S. Navy Air um Specialist Operations Air Rescue Swimmer. You did two tours in the Gulf as part of the Operation Southern Watch. And on and on, let's see, there's even more. You've traveled, well, this this thing, this really uh, hit home when I read this. I was like, wow, he's actually climbed, you've climbed the seven highest summits, correct? Mm-hmm. And Yeah, the highest peaks on the seven continents. Yeah, that's incredible. And then after, and and. Not only that, is you have a world record, I know, from Descenting, which is where your book came from. So you have you have been to the highest points on Earth, and you hold the record for the highest solo blind descent. Can you talk about that? Uh, sure. So in 2011, actually, uh, I guess a week ago, May 15th, 2011, was my anniversary of my um, solo summit of Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. And I uh, didn't intend to solo it. I was independent, so I was, didn't, wasn't a part of a large group, but I had a climbing Sherpa who is the, the local people that um, live over in Nepal and, um, you know, help guide and, mm-hmm. um, you know, as porters and whatnot, help help the climbers climb Everest. Um, he ended up getting sick on the way up, so so we had a conversation. He, he turned back, and I continued up. And I, I ended up soloing the summit, like completely solo, as in like no one else was wow. on top of the mountain that day, which um, wow. as far as the Himalayan database, I only found another person who's ever done that, you know, so it wasn't a, wasn't part of the plan, but it, you know, maybe it was because that's where it ended up. Wow, and I had a incredible. goggle malfunction, cracked my goggles. I ripped out an internal lens and on top of Everest at 29,035 feet, 
there's only a third of the air, a third of the ozone up there. It's just so high. Um, as soon as the sun came up, you know, because I climbed through the night mm-hmm. at the, the summit when the sun was rising, um, as soon as the, the sun banked off the ice, it fried my corneas, and I went completely snow blind. And, you know, I was at the highest point in the world, completely alone mm-hmm. and now blind. And what should have taken me three, four hours to get down to the high camp mm-hmm. there at 26,000 feet mm-hmm. um, took me seven. So I ran out of oxygen, you know, wrote out a slab avalanche, but just hand over hand, just made my way down and, you know, just really felt a miracle up there. Just, just felt this presence around me and, you know, just, uh, just kept moving, just, you know, the, the will to survive. I just, I was never going to give up. And, you know, eventually I made it down. Um, my eyesight didn't return for about a month and a half. Um, so it was a pretty intense ordeal, but just very blessed to, to be here and be able to tell my story. Yeah. So what were you thinking when you were climbing down? Do you remember? Um, yeah. I mean, I was, I was just really came down to faith and focus. I just, I just never lost my faith. You know, I, I just, I knew I was going to live. I never allowed anything else to enter my, my brain and just one step at a time, you know, there's some high winds were starting to hit like 50 mile an hour gusts. So I could hear them coming and I was really using my senses other than sight, but I'm not normally blind. So, I mean, I was really, really trying to use my sight. It just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And there's fixed lines, there's ropes that are attached to rock and ice. And, you know, me with my harness and all my gear, I just made sure I was using touch and sound and just, just kept moving. And it was, uh, it was very exhausting. And at one point I did run out of oxygen and just, dropped to my knees at that point and just prayed. And, you know, at that very moment, it just felt lifted to my feet. Um, my oxygen bottle that had previously failed started working. Wow. And without overthinking it, I just, you know, put my gear back together and started moving down the mountain and eventually got down to the high camp. Wow. And I, and I read that basically you, you felt your Sherpa hug you, right? And yeah, as I was entering high camp, which is still in the death zone, 26,000 feet, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was just taking one step at a time. And at this point, I'd been climbing for over 30 hours from the day prior wow. and just really exhausted. Couldn't see a thing. With snow blindness, it's not like blind where it's, everything's black. It's where everything is white, like like you're staring into a light bulb. Oh, my so You really you can't see, but it's the opposite extreme. It's just very painful. And then out of nowhere, he just grabs me, hugs me, says, Brian, you're alive. And so we just hugged and then walked the last quarter mile to my tent where I collapsed. I slept for about 15 hours. My eyes were glued shut. Um, and then the next day we, we headed down the mountain. It still takes a couple of days to get down to base camp from there because it's so high up. Mm-hmm. So he, he helped you the rest of the way. So obviously that yeah, made he was much, with me the much rest better. Of the way. Wow. And so, wow. So it took a couple of days just to get down. Incredible. So talk yeah. about, I yeah, mean. Yeah, and down lower, you go through the, the mm-hmm. Kumbu Icefall, which is um, just a, it's a river of building-sized blocks of ice where you have aluminum ladders tied together to cross these, you know, really deep crevasses, seracs, they call them, these big ice blocks. And that was a little challenging going across without vision. I just pretty much crawled across. There was definitely no grace and you know, it was definitely not graceful the way I was heading down, but, you know, I was just doing everything to make sure I didn't fall in or get hurt, more hurt than I was. Wow. 
So have you climbed since? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I've, uh, mm-hmm. that that was I think number four on my list. So I've mm-hmm. been that same year I went down to Antarctica and climbed the highest peak down there, Vincent Massif, and then down to South America, climbed Aconcagua. And last year I climbed Kosciuszko with my family. So I actually brought my family along to climb the highest peak in Australia, which is really cool because I'm an really eight cool. and eleven year old. So last year, you know, you're year mm-hmm. less and my wife and just to be able to experience that together is super cool. How'd the kids and actually do? Took, I'm sorry? How did the kids do with the hike? Oh, they did so good. They were, it was a windy and cold day, but it's it's not a super high peak, you know, so it doesn't really compare to the rest, but it's still just such a unique experience and they just, they loved being a part of the adventure. They're just very adventurous. Well, that's good. And to be able to do it together yeah. is pretty big. So let me ask yeah. you, Brian, I'm sure people have asked you this. So why do you climb? What do you get out of it? I think people are just wired differently in this world. And I grew up in Southern Oregon, so I was always climbing the peaks around my, you know, where I grew up. And then I was in the Navy. I was jumping out of helicopters and just, you know, a little adventurous spirit there. It was my job as a mm-hmm. rescue swimmer. And then uh, my wife and I moved up to the Pacific Northwest for grad school uh, back in 2001. And I just really took to the mountains um, started intensifying my training and just decided to take it up a notch. And I think for me, it's it's really evolved throughout the years. Uh, I think you ask 100 climbers why they do it, and you're going to just have such a range of answers because it, it truly is unique to the individual, you know, just like anything. You know, mm-hmm. people are into, you know, doing marathons or whatever. You're just you're growing as an individual, and mm-hmm. I think certain people are just wired differently. Mm-hmm. And the people that aren't wired along that that same route that they just don't quite understand so it's really hard to to explain to someone that just thinks it's completely nuts but you know that's that's life I guess no matter what you do but for me it's um, it, it is the adventure I think you know we all have to live an adventure and just figure out what that means um, to each individual right and what works for me is not going to work for someone else but for me just getting out there getting away from the clutter of life is just really important for me to just gain perspective and then just ultimately having these big goals and accomplishing those, you know, I I see through like social media and when I do motivational speaking, you know, people really latch onto that. And Mm -hmm. although they're not going to go climb Mount Everest, you know, they can find some parallel in their life and it helps inspire them. So I think for a greater purpose, you know, there's there's definitely a reason I'm out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit, how does someone like yourself prepare? You said, you know, I train so that I can climb. What does training and climbing, you know, training for climbing look like for you? How do you train? Yeah, well, for me personally, um, a lot of my, what I did in the military definitely helped from a, a, a mental and emotional and just um, understanding physically what I what I could do, what I couldn't do, and then being able to push through it. Um, but when I bring it down to climbing, you know, in my early years, I got professional technical training in mountaineering, uh, which is really important if you're going to, you know, take it to the next level in climbing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm honestly, I've just made it a lifestyle. And, you know, I always recommend that to people because um, everyone wants to make a change in their life physically, but are they willing to, are they willing to change their own habits? And I think that's what's the key. Um, for me, I get out a few times a week, and I'm carrying 50 plus pounds. Right now, I'm I'm training for Denali, um, the last of the 
the seven summits. I've climbed it twice, but haven't mm-hmm. summited. So I'm actually heading out tomorrow to go oh, up to Alaska wow. to climb it. Yeah, so you caught me at the right time. Oh, wow. Well, and good for luck. That, yeah, for exciting. That, yeah, I carry like 70, 80 pounds climbing four to 5,000 foot peaks in my backyard and then running five to eight miles um, every other day. So it's just it's a lot of strength, a lot of cardio, mm-hmm. and then just uh, a lot of mental preparation as well because being stuck in a tent um, for weeks at a time, it's you know it's it's unusual if that's not like your your thing that you do every day because mm-hmm. I I do have a normal job and a normal life. Mm-hmm. And in, and in this case, your climb that you start tomorrow, are you going to be by yourself or does someone go with you? No, nope, I'm I'm leading one other, okay. so we have a, a small team, and hopefully we could move efficiently and you know, get some good weather up there and we'll have a shot at the summit. Otherwise, we'll come back down and hit the mountain and we'll possibly try it again another day. Wow, that's incredible. So, I mean, you do have a day job. So you're you're a systems engineer for Cisco? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I've been doing that for um, eight and a half years, which is a, it's a great company, um, lots of flexibility. They've been very supportive um, in, you know, my climbing. Mm-hmm. I've been able to showcase technologies um, mm-hmm. on the mountain. And just for motivational speaking, you know, I've had the pleasure of speaking to the whole company mm-hmm. to kick off their year um, a few years ago, actually wow. a couple of times. So just from a motivating spa- uh, factor, it's been very um, on my side. And uh, I have a flexible work schedule as well. So I work from home half the time. So, Well, that's really cool. Well, let me ask you this. So... Um, so while you go and you climb, like, for example, you're leaving tomorrow, I mean, mm-hmm. I know you have a very strong social media following. Do you actually, like, do you actually post um, as you go up? Or it's probably not possible, right? There probably isn't any Wi-Fi signal. There, yeah, in Denali there's not, but I do have a satellite phone. Mm-hmm. So I will be calling my wife daily, um, and she'll be updating my social media for me so people can follow along. Oh, wow. That's going to be fun. And tomorrow I'm going to make sure that we're <laughs> logged in carefully to you. Um, well, that's great. Well, that's let's talk about that. So you work partially from home. Um, and so Cisco's been obviously very supportive of, of this sort of lifestyle and balance for you. Um, I guess if we could talk about that very care- uh, seriously, because I'm, I'm very interested. Is it because you are Brian Dickinson that they allow you to do that? Or do they do that for other employees as well? Oh, yeah. There's. It really depends on the individual because mm-hmm. um, there there's a couple people I know within the company that do climbs and for longer climbs like Everest where it's a two month expedition, mm-hmm. you know they don't not necessarily going to give that time off paid. So mm-hmm. you know I took unpaid vacation for that, mm-hmm. but for this upcoming climb, you know it's two to three weeks long. So I just you know some people go to Italy or something Hawaii for a vacation <laughs> I just happen to be on a mountain um, but they they have been supportive because you know it's uh, I think uh, ethically I'm out doing my job I'm you know doing well at it but I'm also representing at kind of more of a macro level just a mm-hmm. different level of marketing and right. just, you know being positive within our um, technology community mm-hmm. yeah and you're you're very inspirational and you're you're a good person to showcase so that's i think it's very smart business on cisco's standpoint too well that's mm-hmm. amazing um so i guess you know after this next climb what's next for you what do you expect um well so once i actually stand on top of denali 
that'll end the the seven summits. You know, I, I feel fulfilled at this point because I've been on it and a thousand feet from the top. Um, it would just be nice to actually complete the actual climb. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm going after it. Uh, but it's not something that I would just continue going after my whole life because there's there's a lot of mountains out there. There's a lot of adventures. Um, but for me, the timing um, kind of works to end this now and then. You know, my kids are getting older, eight and eleven, and they're, you know, they're um, excited about doing different, like smaller climbs, and <laughs> I'm excited Cute. about that as well. Does your wife so, climb uh, with you, or does she? No, my wife. To... She's actually a, a Christian counselor at our church, and we're pretty opposite. Like she's went to Russia and went up to base camp with me. She climbed Kosciuszko in Australia, mm-hmm. and I flew the whole family down to Argentina. But she does smaller like hikes, mm-hmm. but definitely not not to the level that I do, which is it's good because it's uh, I think we counterbalance each other perfectly. Um, and one other thing, when I travel around the world, I always visit orphanages and deliver toys um, and gifts to the kids. So she's been a big part of that. Um, and I've had the, my own kids, you know, handing out toys down in an orphanage, and just a really special moment you know, an experience for them. And in fact, my wife and my daughter, Emily, are going to Swaziland on a mission to, um, you know, help educate some of the, the local people in a village down there um, this July. Wow. That's incredible. Well, that's really great because you can incorporate, this is something that you can incorporate your kids into and get them involved with. And it sounds like they definitely take on your side and that they, they enjoy climbing. Yeah. Yeah. They, they enjoy to a certain extent, like, um, I'm definitely not pushy. Like I'm not roping them up and, you know, taking them on extreme stuff. Mm -hmm. I just remember when I was their age and just kind of how I was. And, you know, again, my wife really balances us out good because we're we're really understand what our kids, how they're wired. And, you know, we don't want to push them beyond that. And then wreck mm-hmm. them for life you know <laughs> they just want to be near dad be dad could be parents so yeah we're, we're, we're dad, dad wants to climb together. then they'll climb right if dad wanted right. to stay home in front of the tv they'd stay home in front of the tv yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> gotta have choices in life <laughs> yeah well, you know, one thing that I, I thought maybe you could share with us a little bit is, you know, the recent Nepal earthquake. I know you were uh, very instrumental in um, commenting on that. I was hoping you might be able to share some insight to us on that. Yeah, yeah, it's just a horrible scenario over there. It's just one of the poorest countries in the world. And I have friends, you know, in Kathmandu, there's an orphanage I visited there and mm-hmm. um, just Sherpa and friends that I've you know, we're on the mountain, trapped above, on the mm-hmm. north side, south side. So it's just a really, really scary, scary time over there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they need help, and but they have their government's not the best as far as distributing money. So you just have to be really careful who you give money to. Wow. Yeah, because we, we were watching on the news. I thought it was really in, insightful to see your perspective as someone who understood, you know, climbing and also having visited the country. Yeah, so interesting. Well, like, I guess what, what in your opinion, having, you know, having exposure there, how do you think people can help? Um, I think just looking for a, a good company that's actually doing stuff like World Vision you know, mm-hmm. I put that on my website because mm-hmm. you know that they're going to handle the money appropriately. Right, right. Great. Perfect. 
Well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I mean, this is very, very insightful. I honestly, this is um, gave me perspective on things that I've always been curious about but didn't know about. Um, I, I hope that other people listening have a deeper appreciation because I certainly do for what you do and what you enjoy doing and the amount of mental and physical strength to be able to accomplish the goals that you've accomplished. So a huge thank you to you, Brian Dickinson, for being on the show with the Renegade Millionaire Show today. Um, this is Winnie Sun. I really appreciate you tuning in to the show. How can we go ahead and continue to follow you in your journey, especially on this next climb you're doing, Brian? Um, I'd go to briandickinson.net, okay. and then all my social media is linked under there, and okay. I have a blog and everything else. But um, most likely for this next climb, I'll be uh, having my wife post to Twitter and Facebook. So, Brian, can you tell me a little bit about the book that's coming out? Uh, yeah, so it's called Blind Descent. So it actually came out last year, and soft copies coming out, I think, in a, a month or so. But it's um, pretty much a memoir of my uh, Mount Everest experience, you know, when I soloed the summit, went blind, and just, you know, how I survived getting down. Wow. And where will the book be available? Um, it's, it's available on Amazon. I mean, pretty much anywhere that you can buy a book at this point. Um, you can go to my website, briandickinson.net, and find some of the locations there, as well as you can order signed copies uh, through my website. Oh, very cool. I'll make sure to get a copy, too. So I'm, I'm going to go on, on your website today and see and check that out. But thank you. That's incredible. I mean, so if you, those of you who want to learn more about Brian's descent and that story, because I, I imagine there's things on there that we don't even have time to talk about today, make sure to log in on Amazon or on his website and get that book today. All right. And with that, a huge thank you to Brian Dickinson for being on the Renegade Millionaire Show. I really appreciate you tuning in. To learn more about me, all you have to do is check me out at winniesun.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at sungroupwp, where we will post all day long. Thanks again. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.